0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, February 1st, 2023. Stand by. let make sure we're on here. Yeah. All right. February 1st, 2023. And we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for those who have joined and we are thankful that we can come together and fellowship around your word we pray father for this church we pray for a word of truth father we pray for all of those who are standing on this foundation that we have and we pray that others will come to know this glorious foundation where we can come and understand that grace is is the only way that we could possibly be reconciled. So we we thank you, Father, also for our calling, uh, which is very special, that which we feel we need to discuss even more as we continue our journey and our renewing of our minds. So we pray for each person represented here and their families, and we ask as we focus, that you will give this wisdom. Challenge us. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. right,
0: thank you. Amen. We are getting ourselves... Listen, we're already one month into the new year already. I don't have to tell you that time flies. You know, I... It... It just does not seem like it should be February 1st, but we are here, and we do have some Bible studies in January under our belt, but for some reason, I don't know. It just seems like things are moving quickly. So we're in Romans. We're in verse 33. We only have, after this, three more verses in Romans, and then we're moving to chapter 11, and then we're moving to chapter 12. So uh, Romans 11 is going down. It has been quite interesting, uh, a chapter. And uh, when we get to review it, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about it then. All right, so Romans 11:33. Let's get to it. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. All in all, God called two groups to partner with Him in His eternal purpose, Israel and the Church. Although, in my opinion, Israel has far greater popularity, both groups don't operate in the same space in time. Both groups have the privilege of partnering with God in the superhuman task of the gospel to the world. Before the Church, God did not disclose this calling which was, quote, kept hidden in God, unquote. That's Ephesians 3.9. It's been over 2,000 years now, and the church is still struggling to make sense out of this divine call. It's time to turn the corner and hold believers accountable to this dispensation. So I'm hoping everybody understands, especially that last sentence, where I'm coming from. If not, we'll get to it, we'll talk about it, but it's important. We, as those who do believe and understand, it's time for us to be a little bit more outspoken when it comes to the dynamics of this new age and where the Bible has given us this and others have ignored it. Just ignored this. I mean, in the face of all this evidence. So I think we can take this on the road and make sure people understand where we sit in all of this and what is our responsibility. When we talk about we're blessed, we already said it before, with blessing comes responsibility. So we are responsible to God for the things that he has given us, that he has called us to. So we certainly will be talking more about that so let's look, I just broke this down into two phrases. <clears throat> it won't take us too long to get through them, but let's get to it. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So the first thought is from all that God has shared, a doxology of praise is appropriate. And why do I say that? I say that because of all we've, we've been through. There was, has been some definite teaching that sort of works out how God is dealing with Israel and the church. I mean, uh, you won't find anywhere, and I just have to say this, you will not find anywhere in the word of God such distinction and detail that Paul has given us uh, about how Israel and the church are both callings of God and how God has distinguished this and made it something that now the church has taken this responsibility and well just the explanation of it all imagine where else if we didn't have this where else would we go to demonstrate it in such clarity Paul is very clear And, and I and when we say Paul is very clear we mean God is very clear through the Apostle Paul. Romans 11 is monumental when it comes to uh, the wisdom of God, how he arranged all of this, where he brought this information to bear to us. This is the information that I has not seen, ear has not heard, how it all fit together. What happened to Israel and how they are now Sleeping in discipline is what I've been calling it. And just the understanding of it all. The early church, as we already saw, did not turn the corner very well. They didn't do a good job. But now, 2,000 years later, as I said in the opening, the church is still struggling with the same issues. When we have dogmatic testimony in the Word of God, about where we stand in the church. We need to make sure this is something that not only, as Paul is at this point praising God through a a doxology by saying, okay now, wow, this is what he's saying, wow, do you see what God has done here? And it is often appropriate when you think about, and you've read it, a deep chapter or some verses that just were off the chart in terms of human comprehension and understanding and we're not forgotten the Holy Spirit enlightening us to this information and then we just sit back and be amazed so from time to time it is appropriate to think about the majesty of God how he has distinguished his himself and his thinking so far above our thinking all we can do is sit there with our mouths open in amazement and awe so it is certainly appropriate from what we've studied now you might have gone through it some people i can't tell what was going on on the inside of you but for me, I'll just tell you, I've been excited about these verses. I have depended on these verses for many, many years and helping me sort through how dispensations work, how the church in Israel, uh, you know, what, how they are distinct, and how God has arranged this situation so that now He can call out many sons into glory. It just amazes me. So I could say with the Apostle Paul, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We can just praise and lift up his holy name as we think about how he has done this. And he didn't just do it, but he has done it in righteousness. He did it the right way according to his perfect standards. We, we we discussed, we just came out of a profound statement in verse 32, where he dealt with this thought, right? for God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And again, we're talking profound. Why is the world so reticent to talk about what god has done god did this so that we and he tells us about it so that we could examine his motives in this how transparent is that somebody is willing to tell you not only what they did but why they did it what moved them to do it that particular way and it's for us to examine to look at turn it over upside down and just figure out that it tells us more and more about this God that we cannot see but he's with us in, even inside of us and, and it's appropriate to stop and to think about his majesty it is appropriate and so i as I think about this first point, this is where I think, from all that we have gone through, when Paul says from the very beginning, "What has God cast away Israel?" No, I'm an Israelite. So he continued with that thought. So let's let's go on through our notes before it won't, we won't have time to finish this. But let's dig in. Point B. God worked it out so, so uh, that those he called to partner with him in his in, in this work have been blessed with this responsibility in the world to assist in the salvation of their fellow man. Interesting, because we were in the same boat as those we are ministering to. We cannot boast of some sort of racial privilege or favor because of uh, something we have done, we know, those of us who are saved by grace, that it was none of us, nothing we did that caused God to give us this blessing, this opportunity to, to share in the work of the gospel. Now, none of us could have forced God's hand. God chose us for this. And, and we are those that have tasted and have seen that the Lord is good. So we've been blessed with this responsibility. And Again, with blessing comes responsibility. And so what, what is that responsibility? As ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors, to assist in the salvation of their, of their fellow man. This is what God has called us to do. It's not sends us to another planet so that we can go help them. But no, he sends, he, he sends us to the very people who are lost, dead in their transgressions and sins. Something that we have some familiarity with. We have that understanding of what it is to be dead to God. And now we're reconciled. So we have some experience in this area. God is asking you to turn the corner so that you can witness this information to your fellow man. Point C. Oh, so now we just got some words. It's just as a note of exp- explanation. Oh, so it so that first point where it just translated. Oh, is God saying through the apostle Paul, stop and take note. It's almost like an explanation mark. Uh, he's saying, This is a point where I got to stop and I got to notice it. You know, it's like in the Old Testament where God, God blessed some of these Old Testament characters so that they would stop and build an altar and give a sacrifice to God. And uh, this is one of those moments for us when God is saying, I've shown you my wisdom here. And for us to be able to just mark this in our minds so that it doesn't move away so easily or we don't leak as we talk about. This is a point where we wanna hold and recognize what he has shown us. Uh, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. All the things that he's talked about and how he's worked it out and how we have gone verse by verse and seen it, I'd say it is a point of note. And that's what the O means. Point D, if you are not excited about this disclosure, God is. Now, this is sometimes what we do, right? We kind of look at it at the Bible, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. And I'll say, Paul really meant this, or Paul was really on fire for that, or look at what Paul said, or Peter, or any uh, other ones. But really, we know that the Bible, God is the one who inspired the words that are written here. So if, if we're seeing some excitement going on about uh, this disclosure, who's excited about it? God. What what would God be excited about? God is pleased to share his wisdom in how his eternal purpose works out in the world. These were things that were hidden in him. He's pleased when he is able to share this. And this is one of those things I used to say, well, we didn't get to this in Ephesians yet, but here it is in Ephesians. 1, 7, and 8. <clears throat> oh, no, actually, it's 9. It says, He made known to us the mystery of his will. And here it is, according to his good pleasure. Yeah, his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So what this is to say is that God is pleased when he is able to deliver this type of information. Remember, he has... This kind of information has been hid in God prior to that. So now when he is able, just imagine, and I've imagined if I, if I were looking at God as this has been written, he just got like a smile on his face. It's, just, it's not a grin, but it's a, it's a smile. I could see his cheeks just rising because he's pleased to be able to share this information which he is proud of. And when we talk about the glory, Christ said, okay, give me the glory that I had with you before the world began. Well, that glory is basically the celebration of God's eternal purpose. It, it, it is that they would accomplish this plan and they would reap the benefits of it on the other side. What would it be? In other words, God has something that he wanted out of this creation. He it wasn't just like, well, let's just throw some things against the wall and see what sticks. Nope. He had a definite plan and with definite outcomes that he wanted and that for his own enjoyment he would he would have. And as they look over the plan and see all the different changes and the ups and the downs. He realizes what he wants in the end. He receives. And he's happy. He's glorified in this. Because not only does he benefit, but all those along the way in the plan, and we're talking about free will creatures, uh, he makes the point that they benefit as well. So in this, this point D... I'm saying, if you're not excited about this, this, this disclosure, what God has revealed through these things, he is, he's proud. Not only is he excited, but he's proud of it. Think about that. Have you, have you been proud of something, which is an accomplishment? You're saying, this was, wow, you know, this was done well, I, this, I'm i happy. This, this, is a, this is a benefit to man. This is a, whatever the accomplishment is. We can be proud. God is proud. That's what I see in this. Point E. Let's get some of the words here defined. And here's, roll up your sleeves because we got a lot of words that are in this passage. And I thought, okay, let me just lay them all out there. I know you may not be a Greek student or anything. I'm not a scholar either, but... Uh, All I'm doing is taking some of these dictionary words and just presenting them. You have the documentation, and what's good about these words is these are words. You don't have to learn the actual pronunciation of them, but when you see them, just have some knowledge of what they mean. Words like depth, riches, wisdom, knowledge, unsearchable, judgment, right, past finding out. We'll we'll get. To what these words mean really quickly, I'm going to go through them. We won't take a whole lot of time, but they are words that you will see that are sort of important as we think about especially God's wisdom, special wisdom in this age. Okay, so depth. I'm not going to try to pronounce them all, but this is the easy one. Bathos. Bathos. Profundity. Profundity. That is by implication, extent, figuratively, mystery, deep or deepness or deep things, depth, right? So, uh, that word depth is also used a lot in terms of the mystery. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And, but here, oh, the depth of the riches. So, so it's not just depth It's the depth used sort of as an adjective here because riches is what it modifies and wisdom, and knowledge, right? The depth of that, it's not just, okay, oh, we're talking about something that's deep, we're talking about deep riches, wisdom, knowledge. So let's think about it in those terms. Okay, and then depth of the riches. So the word here is riches, but it's in uh, the accusative, meaning, or the showing possession of the riches, Right? Plutos is the Greek word, and it means wealth as fullness, that is literally money, possessions, or abundance, richness, specifically valuable bestowment, or riches. These are all ways it's translated in the scriptures. So we're talking about the depth of the riches, right? These are now, I just have to say, we we talked about this in the past. When we talk about riches, we could talk about earthly riches. Today, if what, what is riches in this category would be like trillions and trillions of dollars, which is a lot of money in terms of wealth and deep wealth. But here, we're not even talking about money per se talking about something that God has and values. So we're not talking man's riches, we're talking what God thinks riches are. And that's important for us. Because we could say riches are houses and land, riches, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But really, for God, who has uh, the omnipotence To create whatever he wants to create, it is not about things. Just think about that. God, he could create whatever he wants. There's no limitation to his omnipotence other than his righteousness. He he wouldn't want to create certain things, uh, but whatever he wants, according to his own standards, he can do. So, it's not about things for God. It's not about wealth. So, when we see these words used, just keep it. Keep the, it's not human wisdom, not human riches. It's just what God has revealed through the Spirit. So, so, that's of the riches. That's point two, point three of the wisdom. Sophia is the wisdom. So, that's the Greek word for Sophia. It means wisdom, higher or lower. Worldly or spiritual, or it just translates wisdom. But now, even though it's just a normal term, it could mean uh, human wisdom. It could mean depends on uh, the, the context. But in this context, we know it's not only it's not only talking about wisdom for for man, but it's talking specifically about wisdom of God. And that's the word Sophia. So wisdom is is knowledge. In action, right? So if we talk about our wisdom, we could say, well, how are we faring in this world? Are we using the information that we have from God to live our lives in this world? And if we use that information, if our minds have been transformed by it, then we're able to function in this world. the functioning of of how we manage our affairs in this world can be called wisdom. Well, God is saying he has wisdom. And that would mean, especially for us who know his eternal purpose, we are able to, to see how God has managed a, a completing what he wants to complete in this world. And with, even with regard to creation when it comes to uh, his eternal purpose. And that is called wisdom. Wisdom. So, but it's the wisdom not of man, but of God. And then we got knowledge. That's point four. Gnosis. This is not the word for what we would con- consider epinosis. But guess what? <laughs> this gnosis here cannot be apprehended by human understanding or intellect. This has to be apprehended by the spirit. Now, there is another word, epinosis. We see that and. First Timothy 2 4, where it talks about this is good and pleases God, our Savior, wants all men to be saved and come to the epinosis of the truth. Epinosis, full knowledge, deep knowledge. Well, you would imagine, well, why isn't it here, right? I noticed those words can be used in different ways, but when I look at this, it's already talking about deep and riches, right? what God considers valuable and wisdom so then we got knowledge knowledge is the raw facts that god has to do that that he deals with and there's another place where knowledge is and it's not epinosis so knowledge is used in a similar way and it depends on the context so it just means knowing the act that is by implication knowledge knowledgeable you know science is also about knowledge and then five Unsearchable. Now, I'm not going to try to pronounce this word. <laughs> if anyone wants to, we'll let you do it uh, when we do have some Q and A at the end uh, in 15 minutes. So you are you you're going to have a shot at it. But anyway, this is what this word means <clears throat> as a negative particle. So so the it has a negative part of particle uh, particle in front of it. So uh, so that a in front of it makes it so if it was positive now it's negative so as a presumed derivative and there's another word that it derives from not searched out that is inscrutable by implication unsearchable all it is is according to strong so uh God is saying his wisdom and knowledge is unsearchable you cannot get to the bottom of it you can't search like you could search for it But you can never fully extract what God is saying because it's just so far outside of human understanding. I like another way in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 where it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And then it says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and thoughts higher than yours. So that word, unsearchable, shows the distance between who we are and what we're thinking and who God is and what he's thinking. It is beyond us. Uh, past finding out is another term for it. Uh, these, are, these are terms that help us understand that God's wisdom is out there. It is not something that human, human beings have the capability of comprehending. Now, guess what? We do comprehend such wisdom because God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And we'll get to that a little more later. But that's the word for unsearchable. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Let's keep going. And then the word judgment, crema a decision, the function or the effect for or against uh, crime, avenge, condemn, these are all ways that the word may be translated, condemn, condemnation, damnation, right, judgment. So, you know, I, I was interested in looking at this word a little further, so I did, I did a little word study on it. I looked up every word. Uh, Every time this word was used in the New Testament. And I was surprised because most of them, most of the words were condemned or condemnation. I even saw some damnation and then judgment. So all of, I was surprised it was more of a negative. Uh, God is saying judgment and I think I would have to say he's using it in context because of what happened in uh, Romans eleven thirty-two, 32, where God has bound everyone over to disobedience, right? That, that's condemnation. We were all condemned. Why? Because of the sin nature. And uh, how he structured the whole uh, of what we would call the bad news. And so how unsearchable his judgments uh, you couldn't figure that out. In fact, now look at this. When you talk to people today, they do not want to assign this to God. They will say, yeah, man is, has done this and man deserves what happens to him because he uh, it, it's his fault that these things have happened. But you know what? God has taken that responsibility. And if it was man's fault... Man could have been responsible, but God took that responsibility because he imposed judgment for a reason. And that reason is that the way of salvation will be narrowed so that there's only one way of salvation. And then, point seven, we have to keep moving. Point seven, past finding out. Now, notice, uh, this is the same word that we have for unsearchable, it's the same word, past finding out, and um, I just wanted to point that out, that here's, uh oh, stand by, so past finding out is the same word that is translated unsearchable. Uh, we will find that same word in other contexts as well, but notice we have two ways this word is, the same word is translated. One, unsearchable. The second, past, finding out. And then point F, we're moving forward. We should make sure we assign these words to the plan of eternal, the eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and loving God. And this is important for us, <clears throat> because all of these words pertain to God, and I just want to make sure that we, you recognize who He is, and some of the ways that people have noted, especially as we read in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read a few of the ways God is extolled, and and people. Uh, have an opportunity to, to see a res- we can see a response to who God is and how uh, they understood him. So uh, Revelation 4, 11, I'll just read them and you'll understand. You are worthy, our, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, They were all created. They were created and have their being. This is interesting to me. This, some of the things that are said just in this verse about, especially to receive glory and honor and power, you created all things and by your will, they were created and have their being. We exist because of God. We could not exist apart from God. When we talk about agnostics and atheists who somehow uh, think that their existence has no uh, affiliation or relationship with God, but somehow they are on their own existing. But God is saying, he sustains us. And we always, we could say, we couldn't draw our next breath were it not for God. Uh, Revelation 5, 11 through 13, reads this way. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory And praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This is to say, look, uh, when we see the, the one who sits on the throne and the lamb. We see these. this term, especially as the lamb is mentioned, it is a reference to the plan, the father's eternal purpose because it was all accomplished in Christ. These living creatures are coming to recognize this. Every person, every rational being is able to see who God is and how he has accomplished his glorious plan. And then 7:10 through 12. 7:10 through 12 says, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders uh, and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom, thanks and honor and power and strength to be uh, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Beautiful words that are obviously inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. We couldn't have come to such grandeur and elegance and speech uh, this is praise. This is these, they are understanding who God is. You can't come up with such things, but understanding who God is draws this out of you as a creature from His hand. Interesting thoughts. Let's keep going. We got a few minutes and we just have a few more points to make. How unsearchable His judgments. And his paths beyond tracing out. So now we have a good idea of the words and all that. So we're moving forward. Point A. It is our job to not only talk of salvation, but the words boundless riches lets us know the deeper things of God are in focus. So when we see those same words used of us and the the mystery or the, the information, the wisdom, especially what what do we see in Ephesians 3, 8. Let's look at it. Ephesians 3, verse 8 says, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, and there, the boundless riches of Christ. So there you have uh, that word, the riches that we talked about, Plutas, right? And the same word that we saw earlier, that's translated beyond, uh, past finding out, that same word is used for riches in this context. In this context, we have Ephesians. This is the mystery, right? Paul says, "I'm not even worthy to be uh, called," but God has called me, and to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable, the boundless riches. And remember, those riches are not just riches we have that we think about in human terms. These are God, what God thinks riches are. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, you already know that one. But, uh, and that talks about the deep uh, knowledge. So, yeah, we talk about salvation as ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation But when we see those same terms, oh, the depth, the riches, and all that, and we see that these terms are also used for the information that we have. Point B, unsearchable wealth, riches, are God's view of the fullness of his plan. What God has given us in all of this is for us to discover through the ministry of the spirit of truth. It is for us to discover. this, Because un- remember, it was hidden from everybody else, but now he has revealed it to those for whom it pertains. So that's important to know. And it's the fullness of his plan. and It is his understanding of the fullness. Point C. God's judgments, right? How unsearchable, his judgments. How he disciplined Israel is included in that at the height of their disobedience and brought the church to on earth's stage. Now, Israel was disciplined many times in uh, human history. We could read it, read it in the Old Testament. We could see the history of how this nation conquered them, how that nation came and, and conquered them, and God allowed it because it was a part of discipline. Well, at the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive the full rights as sons, that's Galatians 4, 4, and 5. And what is that to say? That is to say that the timing of all of this is according to God's eternal purpose, his timing, not ours. When he was ready, He sent forth Christ. And it was at the pinnacle of Israel's disobedience on top of that. How could he have planned? Only God could have planned and arranged things the way they happened so that even man's free will was not interrupted when it came to uh, God limiting us according to what we think free will is. He gave Israel free will to reject him, to even deny him and to crucify his Christ. God used all of that as the backdrop to judge the sins of the world in Christ. So all of that happened according to God's uh, providential purpose, uh, his eternal purpose. Okay, so point D, also, in the immediate context, his judgment—this is what the point I made uh, before—his judgment to bind everyone over to disobedience, so that he his provision is the same narrow way for them all. Right? So that limits it. And as I always say, we're all in the same boat together. We we're in the same place of. Uh, some people, God does not have favor for some or less favor for others or more favor for this. God says all of them are counted, and are, are bound up into disobedience. So that, so the reason why he did it, so that there can only be one way of salvation for the entire human race. Imagine if there was all these different ways of salvation. In fact, that's the way the world thinks about it. They said, well, uh, forget about it. There's no one way. That's too, too rigid. You're rigid if you think there's only one way. How could there only be one way? Because there's only one God. And there's only one mankind. So God says, I'm not going to have ten different ways. Oh, people are, are saying, oh, well, as long as you have uh, done good works and you, you've met our standards, then you'll be okay when it comes to uh, the hereafter. Well, they couldn't be more wrong. God has a specific way and His it demonstrates his wisdom and protects his righteousness at the same time. So it's a narrow way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. Point E, no one could have figured out God's eternal purpose in the creation of all things. No one could have. So when I think about that, when, even when we think about the creation, nobody knew why creation came into existence. The angels rejoiced at the creation of God. They didn't know what God's plan was in that creation. Adam and the woman in the garden didn't know what God's plan was in this beautiful restoration that happened, they didn't see. But when we get to this juncture in human history, where God is able to pour out his spirit, and, uh, and the spirit of truth now comes and informs us about God's eternal purpose that has been hidden from ages and generations but is now revealed, well, we understand the, the creation now. So when I look at uh, John 1.3, for example, uh, John 1.3, notice this point here. Uh, it says, Through him... All things were made. See, see that through Him already implies that God the Father is the author of the plan, and part of Christ, uh, what He would, uh, the work that He would do, is creative work. The creation was placed on the person of Christ. Now, as we know Him in verse fourteen. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? So we know who that is, uh, where it says in John 1, 3, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Christ is the creator. He's God. We already saw that in John 1, 1 and 2. And so when we saw that, now we understand that God the Father's plan, it's designated him as the creator. So that's what through him means. right? And then so it's Colossians chapter 1 again, 15. So it says, the son is the image of the invisible God. And here we talked about this already. The son is a word that signifies the father's eternal purpose. So when we say the son, we're talking about the fact that Christ is the one who was designated to take this role. And not only does it talk about his exploits or his resume in what he does as God, but that person is shown to be the one who is the head of the body, the church is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. God was pleased to have all his fullness, Dwell in him. So, He, for in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, or the thrones, or powers, or rulers, or authorities, all things that were have been created through him and for him. Wow. So, to me, that point is poignant. It is poignant. That was point E. We're going to the last point, point F, and then we're going to get to some Q&A stuff, so stand by. So the word at the end of this, point point number two, is how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Well, you know beyond tracing out, we already know, or past finding out, uh, is the same thought here of, of that word. We can't get to it. Beyond tracing out, and this is, I took from 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and 10. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even... The deep things of God. This is what has been given to us. Things that really are inscrutable in human terms. But they have been given to us by means of the Spirit. We have something very special. This is the most sensational disclosure of God in terms of revelation ever. And what does man think about it? They would rather go talk about the exploits of Israel or try to mimic characters in Israel when we have this disclosure from God. Nothing can compete with God. Now, Now, even if I think, wow, this is the greatest thing ever, guess who thinks this is great? God himself is saying this. So, I think the verse speaks for itself. I I don't even really need to add any commentary. But we're going to stop at this point. We this is just one short verse, and we're going to take some time for some Q and A. Uh, we I'm over, so I will uh, get right to it. This the floor is open. Hope I didn't lose anybody. No. (laughs) There's a scripture that came to mind when you were speaking. Uh, And then there's
1: a scripture where it talks about God holding the sins in a band. You you know what I'm referring to?
0: Yes, I do. You want me to? You said, where where is that? Yeah. Uh Uh huh. Uh huh. That's in uh, Romans. Three twenty-five and 26 god presented christ as a sacrifice of atonement oh i'm hearing some noise are you shoveling snow or something (laughs) okay there you go so so it says god presented christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So what this is saying is God held all the Old Testament sins. He did you might say, well, okay, well, that's where we get the word atonement. He covered them. But when Christ came, he didn't just cover them. He was, they were imputed to Christ, and he was judged for them. So God disposed of our sins. We can't say they're just covered. Uh, in the Old Testament, the sins were covered, and then at the at the end of every year, they have what they call uh, the, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. That day was the cleansing of the sanctuary. It was a very solemn day in Israel's, so, uh, some of the things, some of the uh, holy days one of the most solemn holy days they had <clears throat> so and but what Christ did he did not just cover the sins of of all those people and God's justice had to meet every sin with judgment and he did by imputing those sins to Christ on the cross and judging every one of them completely so so that is i think that's the reference you're referring to? I'm going to pause uh, to allow you to... Yes. Yes.
1: So, so that would only cover Old Testament
0: saints? No, 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 no. No, no. I wouldn't just cover Old Testament saints. And when, when it turns the corner, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So in other words, this, not only does it cover all of the Old Testament... But at the present time, and, going, and that is going forward, all of the sins for every person that was, would ever be born on planet Earth were judged. So at any time in human history, if you said Christ is coming to die for your sins or Christ died for your sins since he already did come, then it's, it's a fact. It's already done. So the future sins... Of every person, Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I'll pause, Bill. Go ahead. Okay, so the sins he held in abeyance—that's
1: referring. I think you just mentioned that referred to
0: Old Testament. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, who in the Old Testament? Everybody who sinned, all the sins of every person before Christ came were held because they were not atoned for. They, God didn't, his judgment, remember just if you look at um, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, where it says, uh, God was never pleased with the blood of bulls and goats, although he commanded them to do it because Christ hadn't come yet. So but those sins that were uh, adjudicated under the Old Testament Even though, you know, you took an an animal, you know, know, the sacrifice of the daily and the evening, the morning and the evening sacrifice, you could confess your sins. But that was only a covering. That did not actually take away sins. But when Christ came, because all those animal sacrifices looked toward the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came, that was the antitype to all of those types that were in the Old Testament, animal sacrifices. So Christ came, he was the one who uh, sacrificed, His. he presented himself. Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written to me to do your will, O God. He steps forward, and he paid for every sin of every person in the Old Testament. Okay, so...
1: Referring to the ones that were held in abeyance. At that point, um, God knew which ones were going to heaven and which ones were going to hell. Correct? Yes. Okay. So that—that's the part that I'm really trying trying to get at. So even for them that were perishing, those ones that He held in abeyance, their sins also were held in abeyance. Yes. Because they were atoned for also. Yes. Even though they were going to the league of
0: fire. Absolutely. Because sin is not the issue in the, la- in, the, in the last judgment. So some of those people are going to show up at the last judgment. And uh, they're going to show up. But what is going to be the issue? It's not going to be their sins. It's going to be that they don't have sufficient righteousness to live with God forever. Because God has standards. And so... When we read that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15, we realize that that's for all time. This is not just for people in the tribulation. This is all the dead from all times in history, in all dispensations. And they show up at the judgment, at, at the great white throne judgment. And if, there's, if their righteousness is not what God has, if their, book, their name is not in the book of life, then they are thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 15. So yeah, God paid for the sins of people who were perishing that he knew would not believe in him. He knew it. But remember, he counted everybody over to disobedience so that the way of salvation could be narrowed. To only one way, and that's and that's the only issue. And I like John three eighteen because it says it. It says it very clearly. And the, concept, the 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 thoughts here. Let me read it. Uh, John three eighteen says it. this before, before you before you read that, I, I just want to, try to stay on track to my my
1: question. The, the so. So, when you think of sins, naturally you think of disobedience. So, so he held the disobedience in abeyance because he didn't judge them yet. So, those who were not perishing, they're not going to get judged in that way.
0: Correct? No, no, that's not true. Because people who perish, when you say perish, you mean ultimately be saved. Is that what you mean?
1: Well, I mean, at that point, those, those, uh, they have died, and there's no way for them to become saved if they died unsafe. And if they died saved, there's no way for them to become unsafe. So their faith is already sealed because they are, they have perished, they're gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, God already knows everyone in the old testament who's saved and everyone who's not saved. He knows. Yeah, if that's what you mean.
1: Right. So so would that also uh codify for the saved individuals too?
0: Would what? Now,
1: their sins are danged?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, for people every sin. Listen, one sin, right, could doom a person forever. One just one. But there's many sins. So if a saved person committed a sin, or if an unsaved person committed a sin, remember, why did they commit to sin? Because they have a sin nature. And God did not count those sins against them, whether they are saved or whether they are lost. So they, they can't be held responsible for their sins. when I say they can't be held responsible, what I mean is that God held Christ responsible. God the Father held Christ responsible for their sins. So yeah, I mean, if if nobody is going to pay for sins, whether they're going to go to the lake of fire or whether they're going to go to live with God forever, nobody's going to be held responsible for their sins. Believer or unbeliever.
1: So, this, this this verse only has to do with sin because a lot of people got punished. A lot of people God did judge in, in, in the Old Testament. Um, and some of them, he wiped out whole races and sm- smiked some right on the spot. Yeah, but. So, I'm just but, trying but, to get a correlation. Yeah, but you can't. Like, like you what can't what look does at. that particularly refer to? Are we just talking about um, salvation there? Are we talking about um,
0: no, no? So judgment. you can't you can't relate temporal judgment to eternal judgment. If those people receive their eternal judgment, what will be the point of the great white throne judgment? Great white throne judgment is their judgment, their eternal, for for their eternal judgment. Temporal judgments happen in time, and they can be administered by God. God administers temporal judgment for this cause. Many among you sleep. A number of you are sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. What does he mean? When we are judged in this way, God is disciplined, so God can administer temporal judgment. God can, uh, when when it comes to temporal judgment, it the consequences are time; they are not eternity. So a good example is the thief on the cross, right? So. Uh, Christ told him today you will be with me in paradise that didn't get the thief off the cross he still had to suffer the temporal judgment for the things that he did but those things he did didn't mean he couldn't be saved and here you have that in one verse he was receiving temporal judgment that's why he was hanging on the cross he was a thief but he also received eternal life from as because he was a believer so you can see how could he, if the temporal judgment didn't mean he was lost and neither did the temporal judgment for those uh, in the Old Testament. That would depend on their heart condition, right? Because remember, the way is narrow. So God, sometimes in, in the Old Testament, opened up the ground and swallowed up a lot of people and then killed them right on the spot. But that doesn't say whether their are t- eternal judgment or what that is only that's between them and God, and God is going to bring them back at the last great white throne judgment. Because he he knows, he has the book of works, and it'll be opened, and he'll be able to show them exactly what their what their attempts were, and if they were believers, then they will receive a reward for works of service, and they won't receive judgment. So yeah, yeah. So temporal judgment is not the same as eternal, even if God had, look at Ananias and Sapphira, is another good example of people who received temporal judgment, and from God, it didn't mean they were lost, but in terms of God took their, took their lives, he took them out of this world, it's his prerogative, so, uh, but eternal judgment, remember, Christ received the punishment for all of our sins, Christ. If we're saved, he imputes his righteousness for our standing. doesn't matter about what sins we committed or didn't commit. It, it all depends on one way of salvation for all. I'll pause. No, that's
1: great. I, I bring your argument just, to, just so you can
0: make a claim. Well, I appreciate the question. <laughs> I'll disagree. <laughs> I I already know you don't <laughs> but but for illustration purposes uh, somebody could ask that question and uh, and it's appropriate to ask you know if we don't hash it all the way down to the ground sometimes people will not fully uh, they'll say oh yeah but you didn't say this or didn't answer it that way the Bible doesn't say you know we need to answer it all the way to the ground if that is the way we should I mean I think that's the way I understood it and I need to so uh, but thanks for that any follow-ups or other others out there Other. other thoughts I'll pause just for a minute longer. We do have a little bit more time. All right. Well, I won't force you to to, to ask or come forward with thoughts. We, we will not go down that road. We will give you back time. How's that? All right we are going to close. Thank you guys, let's bow our heads. Thank you Father for this time we've had. We appreciate your wisdom as we are beginning to unfold that wisdom in terms of the mystery or this new disclosure, this new revelation that we have in Christ. You have given us information that pertains to us, and not only that, to the entire world. So how we see the world, how we understand our position in Christ and the glories that will follow is important to us. You have held us responsible for the blessings that we have received. So Father, we thank you for each person, each the questions that were asked, We've, we thank you for those who are here, and we pray that we will continue to focus our attention on your wisdom, your knowledge, your riches, so that we can come to understand our role, our purpose here, and what you have called us to from eternity past. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.